What's up? Are we good? You're not dead yet. All right, let's go. All right, thank you guys so much for having us. We are so excited to be here today and share about deaf culture and ASL. Sydney is going to be speaking today. Sorry about that. All right. <laughs> so, first things first, who knows what American Sign Language is? All right, we've got some fans in the house. All right, so American Sign Language, for those of you that didn't raise your hand, those of you that might not be exposed yet, we called you uninitiated. ASL, or American Sign Language, is the language of the American deaf culture. Yes, deaf is a culture. So, as we think about that today, ASL is a visual gestural language. You'll see Charmaine Coppinger right beside me. Char, she is a sign language interpreter, just like we are. She is taking my words in English, and she is putting them into a manual language known as ASL. It is not a word-for-word -word translation. ASL has a different grammar structure. There's a lot more complicated stuff that goes into it. Just ask the linguistics class of American Sign Language. Yes, front row, I see you. <laughs> yeah, we see you guys. And one thing to really know is how important eye contact is in the deaf culture. We as people that can hear, we often don't look at each other. In fact, eye contact for us is often awkward, right? How many of you really like to stare at someone when you're talking to them? Oh, we actually have a few. <laughs> how many of you go, yeah, no, no thanks. <laughs> All right, so as people that can hear, we will have our phones out, and we'll be chit-chatting with a friend. But, you know, I don't have to look at you to actually talk to you at all, right? That's not the same in deaf culture. In deaf culture, we need to see each other, because a part of that visual gesture language is your facial expressions, your body movements, your head movements. Notice how, as Rashar is currently signing, Regina is nodding her head. You see that? <laughs> yeah? Okay. Yep, That's that called... means I get it. <laughs> if I don't, and I give her this face, then she knows I'm confused. <laughs> exactly. And so as we talk with people, and we realize that, hmm, it's a different language, it demands different things of us, we're talking about a linguistic minority here. And here's a plug. If you want to learn that language, come take an ASL class. I'll see you next semester. <laughs> All right, let me introduce myself. Um, uh, we've already explained a little bit about ASL, and now we'll go through our backgrounds. So, who am I? Sometimes the name tag gets in my way. <laughs> we'll wait for the interpreters to catch up. <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> okay, so I am deaf. I come from a deaf family. I was born deaf, as well as my mother and sister are also deaf. And so it was a cool experience to be able to have that. And then I just recently got my uh, doctorate 
did a lot of work to get that, so I'm very excited and proud of that accomplishment. And not many deaf and hard of hearing people in the community go on to do this, especially as a black deaf woman. Getting this accomplishment is huge. And so I just want to encourage um, anyone who's looking at getting that kind of degree to go for it. So I was born deaf. And my sister was also born deaf. And so we... Um, as deaf, hard of hearing, we did have hearing aids to assist us with our language learning. My mom is deaf as well, but she actually grew up oral. She grew up speaking. And so we learned how to speak from her, and then we also took ASL classes to learn how to sign. And so we, I actually have the best of both worlds um, in my growing up experience. So it's now been 14 years that I've been teaching ASL. And I also have a background in dance and performing arts. Um, I'm a very expressive individual. That's my passion, just to show um, my personality through creative arts. Sydney, on the other hand, Sydney, we kind of have to pull her out of her shell a little bit. You don't bit. get much more opposite people than Regina and I. <laughs> oh, yeah, very, very opposite. Yep, I'm the extrovert, she's the introvert. That's how it goes. So I actually became an interpreter about seven years ago. I started interpreting um, during the George Floyd situation that we had. Um, I did interpreting at the White House. And Bill Ross was here at the time who encouraged me to take a class and training to learn how to do the work of deaf interpreting. And as long as I was here in the interpreting department, learning from the other interpreting students, I realized that this is something I wanted to pursue. So I started working um, in with the state, doing interpreting, um, more high-profile high interpreting work for the deaf community. A deaf interpreter is very important in these situations to really give a full message to the deaf community. Now, Sydney can go ahead and share her background. <laughs> All right. I, on the other hand, did not grow up having any deaf people in my family. My dad mom can hear my aunts and uncles, everybody, there is no interpreter, there is no person that uses sign language in my family. All my uncles, their hearing is going down the tubes, but that's a different story. All of them are putting hearing aids on. Nobody has decided to use sign language. So how did I get here? Well, exposure. <laughs> when I was in third grade, I met a student who is in my class who is what we call a CODA. She's a child of deaf parents. And we happen to be friends, right? That time, your third grade, you just become friends with someone. You don't think about someone being different. And I was able to go to her house. I was able to interact with her parents and go, oh, you're using something different. Okay, what do I do with that? Well, I started to learn. I learned the basics. I learned ABC, one, two, three. I learned some basic signs, like I'm hungry or can I please? 
the things that you use every day. And from that experience, well, I didn't stay friends with her. Unfortunately, when I went to fifth grade, my school borders changed. So new school was built. I had to go there. I didn't have social media. I didn't have all that back then. You didn't stay in contact unless someone was in your class. So I lost contact with her. And I really kept those basic signs that I used until high school, where my high school said that you needed to pick a foreign language. I was very fortunate that my high school had American Sign Language. I figured, well, I have tried to say some Spanish words before. It does not come naturally to me, kind of like Desiree said, that American Sign Language doesn't come naturally to her. But the signing thing did come pretty naturally to me. Maybe I should continue down that vein. So there I went. I took an ASL class, and then I took another ASL class, and then I liked it so much that I became a TA for it, and then I just didn't want to quit, so I TA'd again, and I was a part of their ASL club. I loved it. I loved being able to connect with people using the language of ASL, and when it came time for me to pick a career, I was choosing between being a vet tech or being a sign language interpreter. Well, I realized that I didn't want to help animals be put to sleep, so sign language it was. <laughs> And then there was the challenge of which college do you go to? If I want to be a good interpreter, I need a good education. At the time here at North Central, we had a deaf pastoral studies program. We had a deaf community here on campus. There was six or seven deaf people that were all studying to become pastors in deaf churches. And I thought, wow, I can't get any better of an environment than that to learn ASL. So I came here. And oh my gosh, whatever I thought before I came here, my mind got completely blown open. Because when you actually become friends with someone that's different than you, you learn new things. So that's where I come from. I come from just happenstance. I come from following the breadcrumbs that God has laid before me to be here today. And I have dedicated my life now to interpreting. And I love it. And yes, I'm an interpreter. And yes, Regina is an interpreter. And yes, I can hear, and Regina cannot. So how can we both be interpreters? Aren't I supposed to be the interpreter for her? Ha, remember how she said she's a deaf interpreter? Remember how I said this is not my first language? I interpret into the best of my ability my second language. And what she does is she takes it into a more native-like form. As she said, it is the best of both worlds. So, if you ever wanted to know about interpreting, that's a little bit of background there. <laughs> All right. Stay up here, Sydney. She's just shy. All right. So, as an interpreter, what is the interpreter's role? It is unique. We are not necessarily the content experts. We are not teachers, pastors, evangelists, mechanics, doctors, but we do have responsibility to facilitate communication. And so as you can see with, for example, we have our interpreter interpreting, she is mediating and facilitating communication access. The same thing with our voice interpreter. She's looking at the signs being produced and interpreting that into spoken English. And 
ASL is a very abstract, creative, visual language. And so interpreters take this spoken message, this 2D, simple, flat, spoken message, and they turn it into a 3D interpretation that is visual. And so in ministry, what does this look like? We, we are not ordained. We love you guys, but you know, we're not licensed, we're not ordained. And there are actually very few in the deaf community who go on to become pastors or licensed or ordained ministers. There are very few. And we are not. However, we do have a ministry because we are providing a service, a communication access service that is needed by the deaf community. And we are communicating between cultures and different people groups. And we know about the fivefold ministries. We have preachers, teachers, evangelists, apostles, and prophets. And we are not necessarily any of those specifically, but we are providing the bridge and the access so that the deaf community can understand the words of all of these fivefold ministers. And so we are responsible to communicate this information to a deaf audience. And one really cool thing that here at North Central we have this unique opportunity is that we are housed in a Christian environment. There are not many interpreting programs that are housed in a Christian environment. We are the only interpreting program in an Assemblies of God college specifically. And so as we are training our students to become interpreters for the deaf, they are also getting an exposure to religious conversation. And religion is one of the hardest things to interpret. Thank you, Crystal. <laughs> It is not easy. If you have studied biblical languages, you know that studying a different language is hard. It does not come easy to many people. And we have this challenge of trying to interpret pastorese language when they go all theologic on us. And we have to try to figure out what are they talking about when we don't have the theologian degree. Oh my goodness. It is hard work, but here at North Central, we have that unique opportunity. We have, in a sense, a ministry that's not an official ministry, but no ministry would happen without communication access. And add to that, that's a really good point, Sydney. And I love you guys, all you pastors, theologians, we love you. However, my experience was that I didn't have that background. When I came to NCU, you know, I knew Jesus, God, Moses, that was about it. So when I came to NCU, this was like a whole nother world for me. And 2% of the deaf community knows Jesus. And so this is the experience of many deaf individuals when they come into a church environment or a church setting, they are learning possibly from the ground up and they might be really lost, not knowing exactly what is being talked about. And so the interpreter's job is not only to convey just the pastor's message, 
But access can sometimes look like taking that information and also explaining what does this mean? And so when I first came to North Central and Sydney interpreted Abraham, this is the sign for Abraham, I was like, who's Abraham? And she would actually go through and explain for me who this was so that I could then actually get something out of the message without getting hung up on this one person that I don't know who this is. And so this is the common experience for many deaf people. You know, hearing people who've grown up in the church, they have a basic and a basis and an understanding of, of these terms and these people, but we may not. And so if you become a, a pastor or someone in ministry, keep in mind that sometimes it might be good to do more explaining, give this foundation to people who may not have the background in religion or the church setting. Yes, that technique that we use is actually called scaffolding. So we, <laughs> I love it, linguistic students are currently learning about those techniques. So as soon as I say it, light bulbs went off and here we go. Scaffolding takes that concept of, let's say, Noah. We, as people that can hear, are often privileged to have incidental knowledge. We pick things up all the time just by hearing it. Out in the community, we hear our parents talking about something, so we know what interest rates are because we've heard it before. We know what bad ingredients to use in a recipe is because we've overheard our parents talk about why mom shouldn't have put that in the dish. We hear things all the time, and that comes to biblical knowledge as well. And when we're around a people that have been deprived of language their whole lives, people saying, mm, I'll tell you later, or not right now, or I just don't have the time because it's more work to put it into a different language, they don't come in with that foundational knowledge that many people already have. And that's just an important thing that we all can improve upon. Okay. So many interpreters want to join our field because they want to be helpful. Hmm. Let's reframe that. We do not want to be enabling people just because they can't hear, thinking we need to do things for them. Deaf people can do anything but hear. So I want to really make that clear for you guys. And so again, when you want to join the interpreting field just so that you can help deaf people, I would caution you um, that we can do it on our own. If you're working in... What she just said is that helpfulness is like a customer service field. And that's what we are as interpreters. Today, our theme is all work should be helpful. And as interpreters... We are in this field of being a helping profession. We are all about customer service. We adapt our work to the people that we're working with because how I interpret for Regina is significantly different than how I would interpret for Linda Offit or how I would interpret for Chang, one of our ASL adjunct faculty here on campus because each one of their needs is different. So we suppose if the theme today is all work should be helpful, coming from us, probably a good fit. We know that God has called us each to do our own work. 
And we know that he has a specific plan in his kingdom for each of us. He has given us unique talents. He expects us to then use them to be helpful. So some verses to consider here. We have Ephesians 2.10. The point of this is that we are created to do good things. It reads, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We are created to do good things. So our goal then is to inspire people to glorify God. And this comes from Matthew 5, 14 through 16. For you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so the goal is not to hide your light, but to let it shine. We want people to see our good deeds and glorify the Father. That's our calling. And that was from Matthew. Another verse that you can look into on your own time is Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. This story talks about the sheep and the goats and how someday God will tell us, you did things or you didn't do things. And he will separate us by our good deeds. Because if we helped people, then we were helping him. If we didn't help people, we weren't helping him. So you can read that on your own time. Again, that's Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Now, how do we balance being helpful without being overbearing? That's a challenge. (laughs) We don't want to be oppressive. We don't want to encourage helplessness. And from our work as interpreters and just from working alongside one another as different as we are, we have some considerations for you. The first thing to consider is disability and privilege. I'll add a little bit more of my background and my experience. So I have experienced oppression, and I have experienced people who only see me as a deaf woman or as a black woman. And then when they realize that I also am deaf, they have judgments or they try to take over for me. And that is a form of oppression. And so often, we appreciate people coming alongside us and supporting us, but at the same time, are we asking for the help? Or are you just trying to take charge? And so that is something from my experience that I've learned is that people see me as deaf, even just when I'm going out to the mall, going out to Starbucks, people might be talking behind my back and I'm missing that information. And so often, this is the common experience of people in the deaf community. 
you might see people in the deaf community signing, or you might see them speaking. Uh, maybe another deaf person like Linda, you guys know Linda Offit, some of you. She's way in the back today. She's hiding back there. Hi, Go, Linda. Linda. Shout out to Linda. But she, her experience, she actually grew up in a family who could hear, and she grew up speaking. And I grew up with sign and speech. And so some people say, oh, I know this deaf person who can speak. Why can't this deaf person speak? And they come in with these preconceived notions of what deafness should look like. So it's important that we keep those preconceived notions in check. Yeah. When we think about deafness, often you'll think of it as a disability. And there are several what we call disabilities, people that use wheelchairs, people that are blind, people that have uh, neurodivergence in some way that's called a disability. But keep in mind, they are also providing different abilities. If we did not have deaf people, we would not have texting. If we did not have deaf people, the football huddle that you guys are used to seeing would look very different. Do you know that those two things are attributed to deaf people? Some people have taken an ASL class and might actually know that. That's great. But many people don't. Often, we think of disability as being something that's more work, something that is a burden. But actually, if we think about disability as just being diversity, we realize how much more skill, how much more talent, how much more creativity can be added to our group. So now let's talk about barriers for being helpful. Do we want to share that story, Sydney? The Good Samaritan? Yep, that one. I don't always know the scripture exactly, but I know the story, so we can apply that. So Luke 10, 25 through 37 talks about the story of the Good Samaritan. We see a man who was left for dead on the road, and we had these different people pass by and say, mm, it's not my responsibility, not my job, peace out. Someone else can help them. And so the lesson we can learn from this is don't be afraid to approach someone maybe who is deaf and use your resources to figure out how you can communicate. One thing that I've noticed is often people tend to say, oh, not my problem, just like in this story of the priest and the Levite who just passed on by. And oftentimes we know people that can hear don't know the right things to do. It's okay if you don't automatically know the right things to do. That's not an excuse not to do anything. You can still be a part of our community. You can still do your part learn. That's what we ask of you. So be inclusive. 
we don't have to become like you, you don't have to become exactly like us, but we can build a bridge. So instead of having deaf people isolated over here on one side and hearing people isolated over here on the other, we can become a bridge and not be excluding one another, but actually be inclusive. Another thing, another common question I tend to get is, can you lip read? How much can you hear? Can you speak? Notice the strong reaction there. Not a fan. Not a fan of those phrases. And I get those questions so often. But being inclusive sometimes means you have to be uncomfortable and jump out of your comfort zone. Try to be creative in using a different approach. Our goal is to have the heart of Jesus and to shine that to others. So a couple closing thoughts here. As we think about all work should be helpful, you can do your part. Whether that's working with our deaf community, again, our experience comes from the deaf community, but we know that there are several other communities out there. There are several other needs out there. There are different people, different, just diversity. And diversity is okay. Diversity should be celebrated. You cannot be afraid of it. When we started working together as different as any can be, there was a lot of conflict. (laughs) I will tell you, and Desiree can tell you, there was a lot of conflict. (laughs) She's given the heart. (laughs) She knows. And it's because my background, my upbringing is different than Regina's background and upbringing. Our backgrounds and experiences, they determine our worldview. They determine what we believe. They determine our values. And when we come into conflict with someone who has differing values, differing experiences, and even if the exact same phrase is presented to both of us, we will have different views on what that means. Think about interpreting and how we have to deal with that every day. (laughs) We interpret meaning. But we had to decide, are we going to let those differences come between us? Or are we going to work together and figure out how to be okay being different, celebrate those differences, and use them to our advantage. So today, we really want you to consider, if all work is helpful, what are you doing to be helpful? What are you doing to stretch yourself beyond where you're comfortable? What are you doing to offer your help without saying that somebody else can't do it because of something? They can. They might need an adaption. We might need a language communication specialist. We might need something printed in Braille. We might need some visual description. We might need something there to have them fully inclusive. But if we don't do the work to make that inclusivity happen, then we are missing out on the skills and talents that those individuals can bring. So as we close today, we just really want to say Ask God to give you his heart for his people. That can be your greatest ministry.